Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us, Father, to gather today to study your word, Father, and just to give you praises, Father. Orally, Father, with our mouths, and Father, may our may our hearts and our souls and our bodies, Father, give you holy praise today. For you have created us, Father, fearfully and wonderfully to praise you and to worship and adore you. So, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit today. May this offering be acceptable to you, Father. May it be as a sweet aroma sent up to heaven. May you multiply it, Father, further your kingdom and kingdom values, Father. And may we walk as little Christ, Father, rescuing the perishing and caring for the dying and just seeking out those, Father, who are in the dark. We may shine light into them and give them hope and give them a future, Father. They may trust in you. We give you all the praise and all the glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So it's good to be able to gather here and share in the gospel. And be able to sing together and have fun together. Matter of fact, I heard a preacher, a good friend of mine that preaches, he's an evangelist. He told me this little joke I'm going to share with you about it. It's kind of like that one about the picture we're going to do is sin. <laughs> but he just said, what we're going to do with all this whiskey and wine and drink. He said, well, he said, I wish we'd just take all the whiskey and wine in the world and dump it all on the river. Take all the bourbon and sherry and tonic, vodka, and dump it all in the river. When we take all this stuff we had that we drank, all this wine and this strong drink, and then dump it all in the river. Be done with it. This music minister got up there and said, let's all sing, shall we gather at the river? <laughs> the beautiful, the beautiful river. <clears throat> so we can come to church and have fun, enjoy each other's fellowship, and to take God's message with a lump of sugar. And uh, today we're going to be in a powerful book. The book of, Turn your Bibles today to Ephesians. Chapter 6 of Ephesians, very, very powerful message today. You know, matter of fact, when I get into Ephesians, I, I have trouble not going through it about 16 or 17 times because that's why they taught us in seminary to, you take a verse of scripture and uh, good professors want you to remember that scripture. So they have you going over the scripture. This is much like we're having Southwest Baptist Seminary. I'd read the scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, and you do that for about 20 times before you go to the next verse, before you sink in. Get through all that thick skull, East Texas skull here. Get down to the heart. But that's verse 10. That's where we're going to be, start, that's where we're going to be starting this morning. Chapter 6, verse 10. And, it's a, and that's a proclamation to us to wear the whole armor of God. And, it's a, and, it, and what it means is Paul's exhortation to the Ephesians, the folks in Ephesus, to be strong no matter what they hear of other doctrines, no matter what people worship the great God, goddess Diana, or, or if they worship any other God, Zeus, the, what they call the God of the, of the Roman, uh, what they call, we call the Greek mythology, but it says be strong in this time, be strong regardless of what's going on around you, 
regardless of, huh? What else to say, ain't it? Yeah, Ephesians 6, chapter, Ephesians 6, verse 10 is where we're starting. Ephesians 6, verse 10. The whole armor of God. But this letter, Paul written to those in Ephesus to be strong no matter what, because the popular opinion at that time was to worship the goddess and not the God who created all men and all women and all children and created the wood they carved this idol out of. Paul's wanting to burn her out in the streets, this huge idol they had set up. But he said, just be strong in the Lord, and you don't have to worry about these things. And the power of his might, not worry about your own might, but be strong in him. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. Now, some, some places says, now old, some of the old scripture says darts. Those darts of the devil shoots at you. But wills goes into more deeper than just darts. See, wills of the devil can be something that you may have in your own nature that cause you to come back and try a little bit of the wild side, okay? It can be something that's set as a trap or a snare. It doesn't have to be just a dart coming at you. It can be something that stands against God. It can be an idle affection for something else. You don't think it's really even much of a sin. But what he's talking about, if you don't have the whole armor of God on you, then these things can slip into your life. It's like I say, we can lock this church up and we can all go home, but I leave that front door cracked just a little bit, just unlocking cracked. And we're, will this church still be safe? No, because I left the door one inch cracked. It might as well be wide open until the thieves and robbers come on in and take what you want. So he's saying the wills of the devil, is anything in your mind that you hadn't cast down and shot it in the Holy Spirit of God. It's just letting your little imagination run wild. You don't have to run very far and you'll be in sin in a heartbeat. What he's talking about is you have to wear the whole armor of God. You can't just put the helmet on and forget the breastplate. You can't be shot in God's word and then forget the powerful weapon of the sword. You have to carry it with you. Put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual weaknesses in high places. And this wickedness that comes in high places is, of course, the Lord of the air, who is Satan. And so he can bring his demons upon you to oppress you. He can bring demons to families. He can bring demons to Rest right here on the back row of the church. Demons are not scared of church. Satan, he knows the word of God, knows it well. See, he knows church. He knows church people. That's who he likes to influence the most. He ain't worried about the lost world, folks. He has them already. He don't have to influence them. He wants to influence us and make us fall. The lost person will say, look at us when we fall and say, okay, how did he do Did he bounce back? Or did he curse God? I want to see what he does. Satan wants us to mess up whenever we fall. He wants us to fall and then mess up worse when we fall. So we're to have the whole armor of God able to make us stand. Listen to verse 13. Wherefore, taken to you the whole armor of God, you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. That means you haven't fallen. You stood your ground. You stood in the gap. You, you remain 
sound in your thinking, your doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one has led you astray. For many will be led astray, God's word says. And the end times will be whole churches led astray. Now we're seeing some of the secular groups and uh, been infiltrating the churches in such a bad way that now the, some of the churches are saying you must accept certain individuals such as homosexuals, see, and gay marriages. And see, in God's word, God says homosexuality is abomination to him. He'll always spew it out of his mouth. He will not even look upon it. It's a very bad sin against a person's body and against God both. So he will have nothing to do with it. There's no such thing as a marriage of this sort or even a union. It's an abomination to God. It's like any other perversion that exists in society. It's all sin. So you can't even have put on even the, the boots of God's word living that lifestyle. You can't say I'm this way and I'm a Christian too. You're living a lie. But this says here, we're still standing. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about you with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's anointing of the Holy Ghost, folks. The gospel of peace. Shod our feet, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And brother, they come in on us every day, the fire darts the wicked. There's so much malice out there. There's so much envy. There's so much greed in this world. Those darts come flying at you. You no longer have to leave this church building very far, even today on a Sunday, and you'll see those fiery darts come at you. You ever pull out in front of somebody and didn't quite see them and see them lay on their horn for about half a mile down the road and curse you and give you that fly united sign? about halfway down the road, and you're there to say, yeah, I love you and Jesus loves you. <laughs> those are fiery darts. And those are just the start. The way people think about us in their heart as Christians. Say a lost person has no guiding system in them because they're just, they're just out there in the sea of sin. And so the waves are pushing them to and fro, back and forth. They don't even know which way to go. They're just lost. They're out there bouncing around the ocean. And so whatever things sounds, seem sound to them, they latch on to it, hug on to it. And that's why a lot of the people get caught up in cults that have nothing to do with God's Word. But they're taking a couple of scriptures from God's Word and saying, we're going to live by this. And this is going to be our motto for living. And this is going to be our lifestyle. And so that's why you get so many these cults and become two and three thousand people in them because they seem wonderful to those who are lost. Their family, all of a sudden their family, they belong somewhere. Even though they're 12 years old and pregnant because this guy says he wants to pray and pregnate all the women over 12 years old. See, they just feel like family. They just want to have more kids. See, indoctrination of the mind, folks, lost. They feel... A false family. A shepherd has been used by Satan instead of God. Giving them things in their mind to make them think they're, we're there set up for one man. And therefore falling into sin. And that goes on generation after generation as we have seen. We've seen that. We've seen that at Mount Carmel. We've seen that just right here in West Texas just here recently. 
And folks, I'm talking about the training of the kids. It may take four or five generations for these people to come out of this. They still think it's right. They still want to go back and start doing the same things all over again until the Word of God has saturated them to illuminate the mind and let them see the whole Word of God and what God has prospered them for, what He purposed for their lives to be. They will never know. And so we're to pray for those places that God will invade them with the full gospel that they will be ministered to and understand that they are in bondage. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherein ye will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's everything that comes in on us daily. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's no way I'd ever go out on the football field and suit up perfectly in my pads, and I played eight years of football, and yes, I, I could hit people. You know, when I go out there at all, I'll suit it up with all my thigh pads on and shoes and wrap on my ankles and my arm pads and just leave my helmet back there on the bench. Saying, so, you know what? You butthead somebody that got a helmet on, you don't, you're going to have a concussion. Say, so, the whole armor of God must be worn. It must be worn. It must be girded up. In other words, the coach said, man, boy, tie your shoe strings. You're going to get out there and kill yourself. It means take those shoe strings and tie them tight. Double time if you have to. Gird up. Put that on there so when you hit a hole, you won't slip out of your shoe and break your ankle. Gird up so you can plow down in that field. Plow down and get your stance where it can give you power to press forward and knock somebody into the nickel seats. See? Don't wear them out there sloppy dress. I get tickled these kids now. They like wearing their britches down around the back like here. And they got them, they wear them old big old boxer shorts up here. Or they could like wear their britches way. I'm all the time at work. Say, Boy, pull your drawers up. Well, that's just the way they're made, Rev. Well, that's ugly looking right there. Pull them drawers down. Well, big old, big old baggy drawers on, you know. Sloppy, sloppy looking. That's sloppy looking. Man, I paid $100 for these. <laughs> well, you got robbed. I got some at the house you can wear. You're wearing britches about the size I'd wear, and you got a 28 waist. You know. <laughs> well, these are neat looking. They can get that belt and time up. <laughs> Oh, no. I miss it all that generation. <laughs> they say, ask me what I thought about rap music. I say, just put a big old C in front of it. And I think about rap music. That's pretty much tell you what I think. <laughs> but it says here, we're going to be in the world, and the world's going to be changing all the time. But we're not of this world. See, folks, we're in this world, but not of this world. We're just passing through. We're just sojourners. Hey, man, just passing through, spreading the gospel. And even though the kids look a little bit weird nowadays with orange hair and stuff, hey, I'm still going to minister to them. Even though they play that music, don't sound like nothing but drums, but I'm going to play, I'm going to still minister to you. And if you have a little bit of difference in opinion about things, that's okay. You know why? Because I have the 100% truth right here in front of me. And I ain't going to judge you because God's word has already judged you. So you're either living in God's word or you ain't. There's no straight on the fence. But the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit go hand in hand. Now, if you don't have this on, if you don't have the whole armor of God on, verse 18 says, this is just exactly how you suit up. Verse 18 says, you pray always with all prayer and supplication. And what? In the spirit. 
So when you pray, you're suiting up, folks. When you pray, you're shining those feet. When you pray, you're putting that breastplate on. You got the sword. You're praying in God's word in the spirit and watching thereunto with a perseverance and supplication for all. You're praying intercessory prayer for your brothers. They may have the whole suit of armor of God on them at all times. And you're praying for God to hedge them in his care, to hedge his mighty angels around them. For all saints, deliverance for all Christian men and women and children everywhere. And you're praying in the spirit. It means you're prayed up. Your power, your power source is there. It's 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 a hundred percent plus. Because you're plugged into the Almighty Spirit of God, and He's got your power source. Everything you need to make you move forward and to be bold in your witness, you're plugged into. Therefore you stand. And this standing is sometimes means and this perseverance is a word in the Greek has about 20 different translations. But the main thing here is remember that perseverance means actually holding power. That you can still go through something in your life that's drastic and you're still standing. You can still go through something tragic in your family and still stand. You're still standing. It's a holding power. I remember, I remember a movie that came out here a couple years ago, and it was a wonderful, it was a funny show. It was really a sad show, but it was actually, it was a, actually a good show. And uh, the main character in the show was a woman that had Alzheimer's. And she cannot even remember what happened the, next, the day before. Matter of fact, she had about a 16-hour memory, and then she forgot. And this guy loved her so much that he would tape their date. And he would tape what, everything that went on, until finally when he married her, he taped a wedding. And he would tape every day, the, pro, the day that proceeded. Every day he would tape that and show it to her the next morning. But when she first woke up every morning, she didn't know where she was. So he had to show this video to her every morning. I'm your husband. These are your beautiful kids. And, and here you are, you're married, and you have this disease where you cannot remember. And he said, but I want you to know I love you. And he put on this tape. Here's the kids. Here's us playing. Here you are. And so she had to watch that tape every day. And he stood by her side year after year after year because she'd forget who he was. But see, he always had something new to bring to her. He never lost his perseverance. He never lost his holding power. So he said, through thick and thin, I'm going to be with you and there beside you. See, it's much like, it's much like the love that God has given us. That when everything else, when all that, when all that coziness and all that, all that love that you have that, that, uh, the arrows love you have for one another. Oh, you're just so cute. I just love you. And all that romance is gone. So you're not romantic anymore. Say so that agape love kicks in. The love of God. And say so the love of God keeps people together, sustains them. Say so all the little different things in your life. It's like my dad used to say, he says, I'm still romantic. He said, I'm like Neil Diamond. He said, I just don't. He says, I still sing good. He said, I just don't sing as much as I used to. <laughs> so you don't feel romantic all the time. So what? The times you do really feel romantic, hey, make the most of them. See? Remember the song was, you don't bring me flowers anymore? <laughs> See? When people are together for a while, because they have become one in Christ, they have sustaining power. Amen? And that love sustains you even when your faculties don't work anymore. See? 
you love one another, you're still one person. That's why God says when the joy you can share together, when you have joy, it's doubled. You have double joy. And that joy should show in your life. But when you have sorrow, the sorrow is half because you both tackle the sorrow together. And see, that's why that passage is in there and it, it should never be really a wedding without it. See, better for worse. That's the commitment there. Because, you know, one of these is going to get worse. You know, it's just inevitable that one's going to get worse. Sometimes one gets worse and gets better, and another one gets worse and gets better. But God always, God sustains that, that relationship. And God will keep that relationship sustained because you're in him. And he holds all things together. See, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. God will make a way. And for me, that utterance may be given unto thee, that I may be open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, to preach the word of God, in other words. Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Now, boldly don't mean to someone, hey, brother, are you going to heaven? Now, I can do that. I'm, really, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. God has given me the gift of the gab, okay? Hey, brother, you know, you're going to heaven. Will you take me with you? Will you tell me how to get there? I can do that, see? You know it, you know it, you know that you're going to go to heaven if you die today. See? But I know that everybody can't do that. They just don't have that. Get to walk up to somebody, see? And say that to somebody. Boldness, though, means to take the next step towards. To take the next step. To step out from your little comfort zone there and be bold and to go somewhere. It can be in a letter or a car. It can be in passing out tracks in the grocery store. It doesn't have to be the boldness of the mandible. See? It can be in your lifestyle. Show someone by the way you live that you're an ambassador for Christ. That you're a Christian. And that you take these values to heart. See, I got an uncle and he said that a guy showed up to said, hey man, we're all going fishing. He said, great. They went down the bay and they met down at the bay. And he said the guy had more beer on there. He didn't have room for fishing tackle. He had so much beer on the boat. He had two ice chests full of beer. He said, man, I thought we was going fishing. Are we going drinking or are we going fishing? He goes, I don't mix them. When I go fishing, I go fishing. If y'all want to go drinking, y'all go drinking. He didn't go, folks. He said, bye. You know why? He knows those guys could be influenced by the bear. When he got there on the boat, they were not the same guys he was going to, he met at the dock. When they got there on the boat and started drinking, they could run over anything. They could sink the boat, turn it over, and he'd be with them. But even more than that, he would be, a bad example by folks seeing him association with people who are out there drinking. See, that's the difference. Jesus said he's more concerned with us being a stumbling block for another brother than what we know we can do. See, I know I can drink a beer. I can open a beer and drink it right down, throw it in the trash can, never drink another one. But I know I have weaker brothers. If I drink in front of them, they can't stop at one beer. See? Do not be a stumbling block to someone else. Christ is more concerned with you. He said, those who are stumbling blocks to other people might as well have a what? A millstone tied around their neck and thrown in the deepest part of the sea. That's a pretty strong statement. And that means in every part of your life. Don't be a stumbling block to those. Be a helpmate for those. When they come to you, sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I need encouragement. And I'll pray to them and encourage them. They'll come to me with some Things sometimes I'll say, you need to see a professional counselor because I really do not know how to counsel you in that way. 
So there's always a limit to why I can counsel. I can pray with them and take God's word to them. Sometimes people come to, to, to you with things that you haven't even tapped into or never even touched. And they need to go to someone who's been through the fire with that type of deal. And they need someone who's been through there so they can help them along. But God says that you are my people called by my name. And it's not, it's, this ain't a suggestion, folks. It's, if you want to receive a blessing from God, you must be bold. Okay? And what he means by bold, you do not have to go out there and, be a, and preach the word on the street corner. But he says you do have to be active. You have to be moving forward. If you're not moving forward, you're dead. You're done. You have to be always, know the urgency of God to help someone else. Everybody can pray. Each one of us can pray. That's the first step, praying for those who are lost, praying for those who are going through hard times, praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And Apostle Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and there I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He's chained up, folks. He's in prison, chained up writing these letters. He said even his letters are going to go out there. How many people have been saved by his letters? Y'all even know? Millions upon millions Upon me, it's 2,000 years later, folks, are still being saved by his letters. You know why? Because his letters are the perfect and inerrant word of God. And God promises us if we just send these letters out, share these letters like Janice shared that little bitty Bible scripture with us this morning. If you just send a Bible scripture to someone in a postcard, you know what? The word of God will not come back void. What does that mean? It means that word of God was going to touch their heart and motivate them to do some kind of work in Christ Jesus. It's always going to lift up and exhort. It's never going to push down and jive down to the ground. It's going to always exhort to lift up. And that word of God is always doing his winnowing work in the body of believers and the lost person. So you might not think that's very much to send a postcard with a Bible verse. You might not think it's very much just to leave a card on the restaurant table when you go out and eat. It says, Jesus loves you. John three sixteen on there or part of the Romans road on there. But let me tell you what. God promises that word will not go back void. If that person don't even want that card, they either put it in their pocket, or when they go in the restroom, guess what? They leave it up there on that mirror. For some reason, people feel bad. Whether they're lost or saved, it doesn't matter. feel bad about throwing God's word away. They're going to put it where somebody else can see it. I've seen it time after time after time. You know, I've never went to a bank and said, Reverend, these are the 4,700 tracks you left in that <laughs> cylinder when you went through the drive-thru. They always, they're always dispersed or gone somewhere. Somebody has put them out there somewhere else. Say, but somebody gets ministered to. Like I'm saying, it's very easy to be ambassador of Christ Jesus. He don't put too much burden on us. See, for what he's done for us in Calvary, we should be ready to lay our life down for him. See? But he's just asking, hey, just be a voice. Be a mouthpiece for me. Be a lifestyle for me. Others may see that there's a difference in you. That you have the light of Christ Jesus in your body. See? You're going to let your light shine regardless of what you're going through. Stand firm in me. Not in yourself, but stand firm in the Lord Jesus. Being shouted, being prayed up, Having the shield, wear the shield of your salvation, which is your testimony that you give other people, and stand 
righteous. In other words, stand right before all men. And what he's talking about in the standing is let your yeas be yeas, your nays be nays. You should never be able to be bribed by somebody. Well, you say you mean. You mean what you say. And that's why most people are looking for that. Oh, all over. People make excuses every day about why they want the best they could be. They have all kinds of excuses why they just cannot do this or that. They cannot come forward with Jesus Christ because they just can't believe that God would just let a whole nation of Muslims burn in hell. Well, he doesn't. He never has. It's God's will that what? None should perish. But he is saying there's only one way to him. No matter what popular man thinks, there's only one narrow road to him. I must needs go by the way of the cross. There's no other way but by Calvary, folks. By the precious blood of the Lamb. Anybody says any different? They're liars. They've been taught by a liar. There's only one way. So how can we persuade men by living a Christian lifestyle? By being the only Jesus they may see in the workplace. By being that person that they come to in their time of need. When they need prayer. Something happens in their family and it's inevitable that something will happen in their family, in their life. That God will give them a chance to repent and to come to him and receive salvation. He's asking us to be that little beacon out there. We can't be a beacon if our light don't shine, right, Tex? You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. That light has to be going out from you. And then, all, and then all men and women will be drawn to God through His most powerful Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time you've given us, Father, today to study your Word. Father, I hope this message and encourage many people here today, Father, every person in this room, to be a better lighthouse for you, to shine and to stand, Father, on your Word and in your Word and everything that we do, Father. You've taught us what's right and wrong. And Father, you've taught us to be ambassadors. And that is not a suggestion. For your son has already commissioned us to be those ambassadors. Here in our hometowns and our families and even across the other side of the world, we're commissioned to spread your gospel, Father. So may we take it to heart today, this message you've given us, Father. And let's be your missionaries here and your servants here, starting with our own families and in our community and the neighborhoods surrounding us, Father and in our state and local development departments, and even overseas, Father. And pray for our country that we may turn from our wicked ways and turn to you, Father. And then you will heal us completely and heal our land. Everything we have, Father, needs to be put in your hands, Father, not in men's. Father, we just thank you for this time. I pray for anyone here today, Father, who does not know your precious Son as Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation for them. They can come fully to you and have a new life and be born again, Father. Thank you so much for this opportunity and time to praise and serve you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.